This is the WMSC interview with Warbringer singer John Keevil by Nick Perkel. Now, with your third album coming out tomorrow, how do you feel? feel pretty good. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. I mean, we've had the album ourselves for almost four months now, so we've kind of just been itching to get it out. I see. Now, yeah. On War Without Best. End, there was the Japan-only bonus track, Onslaught, and also on Waking Into Nightmares, you had a bonus track, Humans to Kill, on the Japan CD. Now, you got any B-sides or bonus tracks that get, that are going to appear on any uh, foreign pressings of World's... Uh, Torn Asunder? Uh, yeah, right now, I mean, we recorded two covers for it. I know Motorhead, We Are the Road Crew, is going to be the European one, and it's also on the Living Weapon single that's available with the album pre-order that some people got. And um, then also we record a cover of uh, Bathory Sacrifice that we haven't really put on anything in particular yet, but it will probably be eventually seen on something. <laughs> we need, you know, we need to have those kind of tracks sitting around. Do you think there might be a Japan CD of your album? I remember uh, Wake Into the... Nightmares had a, a King Records uh, Japan CD. Yeah, I think we're still trying to make that happen. We got a US-Europe release. Uh, I think it's, a, it's out in South America as well. Um, I don't think we've secured a Japan release yet, but that's in the works. So hopefully we can make that happen too, because uh, I mean we obviously want our album to come out anywhere in the world that it can. I really hope we uh, we get to go back to Japan. Actually, um, maybe it'll be harder for a band like us to get over there because obviously you know there's a terrible disaster there this last year, and so uh, that might hurt the market for people going out and spending money on something like a metal show. But I really loved Japan; thought it was like a wonderful country, and I, I hope to get a chance to go back. Yeah, probably. Like, um, I was in Japan for a year, and I actually uh, got to see uh, an Exodus, Haunted, and also Nile show in Osaka. And uh, nice Japan fans, they really hardcore. Like, some of them are just like lame, like just standing around, and others like you'll see like moshing around in the pit, and it's just like just awesome meeting people like that. Oh, I know they were just so excited about metal, and that's really what you what you want to see with anybody. You know, it's uh, you should just be like so excited about it you're about to burst pretty much that's the best the most fun you're ever going to have as a metal show is when people have that mentality now on songs like living weapon shattered like glass and also demonic ecstasy you got like some unique sounding screams at certain points do you ever do any like vocal exercises before your concerts uh it's just silly sounding i pretty much just go like uh Shout, I'll do like the basic shout, a more like growly one, and then the high scream that I think you're talking about. Um, yeah, and uh, that's about that. It's just kind of like make sure everything's working and go on and do it. I mean, I'm not I'm not really singing pretty here, so I don't sing scales or any of that. <laughs> don't know how, don't really, uh, for what we're doing, it doesn't really matter. It's, uh, it's about just like enunciation, delivery, and uh, power. Who were the songwriters of Beyond, Beyond uh, the Valley of the Night? Like um... Behind the Veils of Night? Um, that's Carlos and Adam. It's actually pretty much all them two, and those two recorded the whole thing by themselves as well. It was the last thing done in the studio. We wanted to have an instrumental, and uh, they put that together like a month before we went in. We only had heard it like in guitar pro form before it was actually recorded, but uh, 
Adam, Adam's got a lot going on in his head, so he, he kind of just composes, he just, like, comes up with that stuff, like, once, you know, all the time. And uh, I'm pretty happy with how the instrumental turned out. I mean, they really collaborated really well, and uh, it adds a nice little edge to the album that you wouldn't get otherwise, that we couldn't do something like that in the format of a non-instrumental song, I don't think. Just wondering, are you guys fans of some of the classic 80s instrumentals, like Welcome to Your Funeral from Rigor Mortis and also The Ultraviolence by Death Angel? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, I'm also a particular big fan of uh, To Live Is To Die, mostly because that riff in the middle. I just like, uh, I mean, instrumentals are a good thing for metal in general. There's, uh, you know, and then there's like other types, like Razor, the martial arts, that's just like, three and a half minutes of fucking thrash riffs with like a 30 second scream at the beginning. And that, I mean, it's just awesome. Riff-O-Rama. Now, did your new drummer, Carlos Cruz from Hexen, contribute any lyrics to your new album? Um, yeah, well, he, we worked together. Mostly, um, his major songwriting credit on the record, this is his first record with us, but he, when he joined, was like, I'm not a hired gun, I want to be a full member. And we're like, good, we don't want a hired gun, you know? Um, and so he started writing immediately, he plays guitar and as well. So he, uh, most Echoes from the Void was his song that he brought to the table and then the whole band worked on it. I was at first not quite sure what to do with it vocally and lyrically. So uh, we kind of got together, had a little powwow for a day and just brainstormed ideas. And then uh, some of the other songs I just, because uh, he lived out past my way, so I'd always end up going to practice with him. We'd kind of carpool together. And so we'd just always talk about lyrics all the time, kind of get ideas going. Uh, so, yeah, Carlos definitely had a hand in uh, the conceiving of some of the lyrics. Do you feel like uh, with Carlos, there's something uh, you can do with Warbringer that uh, you weren't able to do with uh, Nick Ritter? Yeah, I, can, I mean, Carlos is more on the same page that we are musically. Um, sometimes working with Nick, like, involves some conflict just creatively, because he's more a, like, modern prog guy than, like, a total old, you know, uh, thrash and speed metal kind of guy, like, uh, like most of the rest of us are. So, it, you know, you just run into some conflict there. Nick did great work on our album, and he added a, a really cool sound of his own that's pretty atypical for thrash. I think Carlos kind of took the amount of that that we'd want, though, and uh, just brings a little more focus on straight power, which is what our music really calls for, I think. Now, right now, you're getting ready to go on tour with Diamond Plate, Azurus, Lazarus AD, and Landmine Marathon next Monday. Have yeah. you made any sort of special preparations since you're now headlining on this tour? Um, We're learn pulling out a bunch of old songs, and we're... Uh, you know, we're going to go try to rage as hard as possible. That's pretty much that. You'll have to come see the tour. It's our first headline tour. And uh, we're going to do what we always do and uh, headbang extremely hard the entire show every night. So that you pretty much know what you're going to get. We are going to give you a, a solid old-fashioned ass-kicking. Now, on November 15th, you're heading out to Germany to start your, your European tour opening up for Arch Enemy. Hell Any yeah. Any thoughts on this? Um... Like I said, hell yeah is my thoughts on that. I am pretty jazzed to do that. I mean, I love, 
I love Europe. I love being there. It's a, it's always been a great experience for me to just travel. I, I really enjoy that part of the, that whole part of the world and how you know every day you can be in a different country with a totally different culture that goes back a thousand, two thousand years or longer. And uh, I always found that really cool. And uh, you know, friendly people out there. We know some folks from various cities there. It's uh, it's going to be a blast, dude. I mean, last year you toured Japan with Toxic Holocaust and Municipal Waste. How was that show like? Um, the Tokyo show especially was really insane. That was awesome. Um, and just all it was all great actually. The uh, the whole experience of just being there, as well as the shows and the fans. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Those guys just were were so happy to come to the show and headbang and mosh and everything. It was uh, it was a really great feeling, especially you know, we've never been there. We didn't know anybody knew about us there, but we saw strong support for all the bands, and uh, the same thing throughout the rest of the continued Southeast Asia tour we did after that. So uh, we're gonna try to go back out there this next year probably, um, and gonna try to like hit places like China and stuff, and hopefully we can get back to Japan. What was your favorite thing to do, like, when you got to Japan, when you weren't, like, either uh, driving around or uh, at the shows? Oh, we just walked around everywhere. Yeah, all over the place. Um, venues were always, the venues was a, it was like a chain of places, and they were always right in the middle of town with just a ton of stuff around, really crowded, you know, big, crowded cities. And uh, so everybody was just, like, going around the city, doing stuff all day, went to play the show, and then continued at night you know we went out and had like sake and all this kind of food we've never had and whatnot it was really cool how much time does your band have to go sightseeing in the cities you play in usually not much um the southeast asia tour was a bit of an anomaly because we actually did have a lot of time to do that we weren't vanning it around we were doing flights we were doing a show on average like every other day as opposed to every single day so it made it, uh, the pace of that tour was a little more lax at a lot of times. But uh, usually we basically show up, play the show, get in the van, leave. Because drives are long. I see. If, uh, if it's a short drive, we'll hang around, you know, party. Or um, if we get there early and there's something cool we want to see, we might do it. But usually we're pretty, uh, we're pretty straight to the point. We show up at the venue, sit there till the show, play the show, and... Uh, get heading to the next one. What's your favorite thing about being part of the L.A. metal scene? Well, it's a really lively and active scene. I'd say that's it. That's the main one. And uh, we see a lot of strong support out here. I'm hoping that, uh, I mean, for for this first show we're doing of the tour, it's the first time I think any of the L.A. like newer thrash bands have managed to to pull off headlining the Key Club, so we're hoping to see like a really strong support there, and just uh, yeah, it's great that there's a whole prosperous metal scene here. Not much more to say about that. People going to metal shows and being into metal is awesome. Is there anything you really dislike about being uh, part of the L.A. metal scene? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty crowded. That's about it, really. Other than that, I mean. That's both an upside and a downside. I don't think we... I mean, L.A. is a great place for a band to be located. And we've just, we're just all from around the area. So it's... Uh, I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty lucky, I guess. 
you want to be, I mean, if we were in like Idaho or something, we probably wouldn't have had the same opportunities just to get out in front of people and play that we have in a place like LA that has just a lot of fans of every kind of music who actively go to shows. What do you feel you have not accomplished yet as a musician, but you're reaching towards? Uh, basically, um, I want to be able to do this full time and sustain myself on it. That's basically it. I, I mean, I'm really happy with what we've done so far. We have uh, a global fan base. Uh, it's more than I ever thought we would do because we. This is my first band. You know, I started this with uh, with John Locks and Andy just purely for for fun and the love of doing it as a hobby, and uh, it went way farther than we expected. I mean, we always put our all into it, but we weren't really expecting much ever. Um, so we we kind of still uh, look at it and go like, wow, it's, it's really crazy that all this happened. You know, we are a professional touring international band. That's really cool. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's the dream, I guess. I really enjoy what, what we do and hope to keep doing it as long as I can, you know. We'll try to keep making albums that don't suck and all, all of that, you know. Since your band's probably going to play your 1,000... 1, your 1,000th show within the next year. Is there anything really different nowadays than back in 04? Yeah. Uh, we're a lot more used to what we're doing. In 04, we uh, we didn't, like, because we formed in the end of 04, and it took us till, like, mid-05 to play our first show, and we had, like, three songs written at that point. So we've come a really long way from then. I mean, we were total amateurs, and uh, we just kept playing until I guess we got good enough at it to kind of be on the international touring circuit and you know we seem to have developed a reputation as a good live band because we just put everything we can into our live shows every you know every night and I think just doing it all the time over and over again as I mean we know how to have fun on stage and how how to put on a good show I think so you know, it's uh, the experience level has definitely changed quite a bit, but I think the the core of what we're trying to do is exactly the same. So, in that way, it hasn't changed at all. What's been the most wild memory from past tours overseas? Uh, uh, there's there's a few overseas, so that counts out a lot of stories right there. Um, I'll just uh, tell one. We were going to the Ukraine. It was on the tour we did in Europe with Austral Parish and Sworn Enemy. And uh, we had one show, Metalhead's Mission Festival in the Ukraine. And uh, our drummer, Nick, who had passport problems way more times than should have happened, really, um, lost his passport in Germany and uh, couldn't get on the plane. And so we're like, well... Adam used to play drums for us way back when, you know, like on our first demo. And uh, so we went and did the Ukraine show as a four-piece. It was a bit of a chain wreck, but uh, Ukrainians kind of loved it anyway. And uh, the the hype guys they had at the festival were like the best I've ever seen. They were just like these huge burly bearded guys who were like, These threatness! super loud over the mic and everyone was just uh that's my terrible impersonation of like a ukrainian dialect i don't know it at all but uh it was it was fucking cool (laughs) and then we played the show we were kind of a train wreck but people liked it (laughs) 
we've had to do that kind of ordeal several times where we uh, we power through and basically do the show with a missing member because uh, our our philosophy is we basically don't miss shows if we're at all able to pull it off in any capacity. All right, we are back in action. Yeah. Now, how do you stay hungry as a musician? I don't know. That's interesting. Actually, uh, this long period off is kind of like. I don't know. I'm, when I hit tour again, I'm going to have to kind of relearn how to be a different person again. I've been off the road for a good, like, eight or nine months and sort of been living a, a slacker life. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have, like, a part-time job because that's the be- the best I can get. And, you know, so I'm, I have way too much downtime, really, and I need to get back on the road so I can, you know, play shows every night again because that's basically what, uh, what does it for me. I just love playing shows and... Uh, when there's a really good raging show and a good time is had by all, that makes me go like... Now, is your band into any horror movies? A little bit, not particularly. I'm mostly into, like, epic adventure and, like, 80s action. What are some of your favorites? Um, favorite all-time movies, I'd have to say. Um, Terminator 2, Predator, Aliens, um... Conan the Barbarian's a major favorite. That movie's amazing. Like, the first line of dialogue isn't even spoken until half an hour. 90% of that movie is just imagery and music and just, like, the epic warrior spirit. So I fucking love that. And uh, I think they did awesome with the, the Lord of the Rings series because that's just badass as hell. And uh, I'd say that's, like, my, my pantheon of favorite movies right there. Closing things off. If you could be a villain in a horror movie, who would you pick? That's a tough one, dude. You'd want to be a villain that's, like, set up pretty well to have a, a pretty badass and awesome life of evil. I might I might choose Thulsa Doom because uh, he sort of just, like, rules his mighty snake cult temple and uh, has a life of complete opulence and luxury, and he can... Uh, like, tell women to just, like, jump off a cliff to their death because he holds the power of flesh. <laughs> that's what, that's the truth. That's what it says in the movie. Yeah, dude. I mean, being, like, a lord of, like, a snake cult that has, like, wild orgies all the time and eats human soup. Pretty badass. And, he, you know, it can just turn into a serpent. Yeah, dude, being a mighty wizard. Come on. This has been the WMSC interview of John Kevill of Warbringer by Nick Perkel.